What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally, and we're your hosts. And today, we're going to do a deep dive into the heart of Christ as it comes to dating relationships. We're joined by our friend Tavares Gray. How are you, man? Doing great. Thank you for having me. You bet. And Tavares, you guys, and his wife, Seifa, they are believers, mm-hmm. husband of wife, of course, and parents of two. They love being mom and dad. And Tavares just launched a brand new book, Godly Dating 101. And so congrats, <laughs> our friend. Are you excited? I'm mind blown. This is exciting times. But but I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's like when God blows your mind and it's like, but shouldn't he always do that? You know what I mean? It's like God just oh, exceeds yeah. your expectations every single time, you know? So I'm just excited. We're extremely excited right now. That's amazing. And we just want to listen, let the listener know this could just be the tip of the iceberg of a breakthrough moment for you, whether it's about dating, engagement, relationships, the basic one-on-ones of, of life and what we're going to unpack today. But mm-hmm. to know, like he already alluded to, God is going to blow your mind. And when you wait for something, um, God blesses it even more when you do it mm-hmm. with him and alongside him and in his timing and just Oh, it's just so good. I'm excited to see what happens today. I know. And I'm always the guy who's like, and Micah knows this and the listener might as well, but I'm always the guy who's like, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Like, <laughs> wow. And and it's... he's easily excitable. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's bad. <laughs> and she goes to me the other day. She's like, do you realize that God's smiling at you? Like God's good. He loves you. Is this a surprise to you? And I'm like, yes, exactly. No, it, it, it's, it's, and I used to get mad when my wife would randomly do that. I'm like, we're in the middle of, of church. And she's like, but can you think about it? And I'm just like, how do you even come up with these scenarios? You know? <laughs> and now I'm the one doing it to her. Cause like, I literally just realized that I started golly dating in September of 2012. So to see 10 years later, the book get released, it's insane. I'm like, look at us, look at us, like that meme. Look at us. Who would have thought? Who would have thought would have been here? Like, that's amazing. We come. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Won't God do it? And I'll just say this about your ministry, Godly Dating 101. If the listener, if you're like me, you've been following for years on Instagram or Facebook or the popular podcast with over 3.5 million downloads, millions of subscribers, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and really Godly Dating 101 is now a book as well. We'll talk about it, but they have connected millions of individuals to the heart of Christ, really to honor Jesus in the relationships. And they're living in Tampa, Florida, but Tavares, can we just kick it to you, man? Can you share, of course, about the launch of this ministry the last 10 years, but like, where did your life journey kind of begin and start? It's it's so weird because people that follow now that are joining the journey in the last three, four years, they realize I've been sharing, um, you know, our faces now. But even before getting married and stuff, I never showed my face. Like, it was one time I showed my face and it was a lot of creepy comments that I got. And I was like, okay, well, not doing that again. But it was the fact that I never wanted the page to be about me, especially I saw it blowing up overnight. And I'm like... Well, I don't want to be famous, you know, so it was taking off. And it's weird because my brother and I started this page on Twitter called Anointed Misfits. So our goal was just be controversial and point people to the Bible. So we'd stir the pot. But then we start talking about the Bible. People are looking at it like, 
okay, fine, I guess they're right. You know, so we were just, you know, causing havoc on Twitter. Then my brother started, you know, he stopped using the page as much. And I was like, bro, anytime somebody talks about the page, anytime somebody comments on the page, I always asking questions about relationships. Hey, our church never talks about that. It's crazy. Like I never looked at it that way. And I started getting questions. So I told my brother, hey, bro, I want to start a page about golly dating, you know? And he was just like, if God is telling you to do it, then do it. You know, and I, I was just like, what do I name it? You know, I, I want to talk about dating in a golly way. And I was like, I think a lot of colleges put their classes called 101. So I was like, all right, we're just going to wing it. Golly dating 101. And love it. Like, like a wildfire, you know? And it was crazy because at the time, still single, still struggling with lust, still not hey, I don't know when I'm going to get married. I don't know how any of this is going to work, you know? So it was kind of weird because I never felt like I'm qualified. You know, there's so many people that are like, I'm only going to listen to you if you're married. And you had to have been married 10, 15 years before I listened. But then my mentor was like, hey, Paul wasn't married. And Paul gave us all the advice that we need, you know? So he was just like, dude, if God is telling you to do it, then do it. You know, so to only see all the questions that we get to answer. And that's what the heart behind the podcast as well, because there are too many issues that I feel as though, I don't know if I have the answers on, but at least I know scripture is not silent on so many things that we have been silent on. Mm-hmm. You know, so the goal is to point people back to scripture because a lot of people are going to buy the book and they're going to think I'm have a whole chapter on how to slide into the DMs. I do not have a chapter on that, but I have a chapter to teach you how to love and serve and how to follow what God's word is already telling us so that we're not following what culture is doing. You know, so the goal behind this whole thing has just been what is society telling us via movies, via entertainment, Mm -hmm. via our friends, via whatever it is. And even the things that we may have heard over the pulpit that weren't necessarily true. Like, what is the Bible saying? And now trying to reframe our minds to go back to God so that he can redirect us. You know, so that's just been our goal the last few years. And it's thankfully it's been a blessing. That's so good. That's definitely just the heartbeat that we emulate even, or we want to emulate is the heart of Christ, but to also point people to truth in the process of discovering what season they're in. Where am I going next? What does this look like? How do I do it in a good and godly way? And Varus, I would love to hear, and probably the listener, for those of people who've never tuned into what you and your, your wife have been doing, or just like the ministry itself, but how did you guys meet first and foremost? And what was dating like? when you guys first started? So I tell people that Safa and I are not a prototype because it didn't go well initially, right? (laughs) So I'm in Miami. She's in the neighboring city called Miramar. So we grew up, like literally our parents lived 10 minutes from one another and we didn't know one another. Our churches, you know, they fellowship together. We went to events together and had no clue. Then there was one time there was a conference going on and then they had like a, a concert after and my wife sings and she does spoken word. So I went there and she did a poem called Breathe. And I was just like, yo, I need to know this girl. Like I do nothing. I was just mesmerized, you know? And I was just like, yo, who is that? They were like, they were like oh, that's such a such sister. Cause I heard of her sister, but I didn't know her. And I was like, yo, I'm adding her on Facebook today. You know, I was I, I was fanboying, I'm sorry. But you know, so I met her and then, you know we became friends, we connected. Yeah, I was right out of, um, high school graduation. So about 2010. So about 2011, we were friends, you know, we're close. We tried dating, unfortunately. And, you know, not, not my brightest moments, but I had an ex who was, I don't think she was all the way there mentally, you know? So I thought, well, for software safety, I need to back away, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know how anything was going to work out, you know? So I just kind of cut her off cold turkey. And unfortunately I heard her, you know, so, you know, kind of ghosted her at the time. So she wasn't fond of it. 
well, fortunately, she forgave me. We stayed friends for many years. And it wasn't until the end of 2014. So that happened in 2011, the end of 2014, while I was praying about it. And we're still friends. And I'm just thinking like, God, everything I want is in this woman, you know? So you're going to have to work something out for me because I know she's not going down that road again. And and thankfully, you know, I prayed about it. And she, she I guess she just one day was like, why are you texting me every day? And I was just like, well it's my goal to see where this could go in regards to marriage. You know, I just, I just let it out. And she was just like, Oh, you're serious. And I'm just like, yeah, I wasn't just texting you all the time. You know? So she loved the fact that I let my intentions known. She did her, her research. She would tell you, she went, she knew um, who my parents were. Her dad is a mechanic and he was my pastor's mechanic. So she went to her wow. dad, pastor. She like everyone. I didn't know this whole thing was going on. You know, she spoke to my friends. Like, what do you guys think? You know, and every, and thankfully I got great reviews, you know. So shout out to the great friends that I had, you know. No but doubt. I managed to work out. And then I pursued after her early 2015, got deployed. So things were a bit stagnant, came back from deployment. Things went back well, you know, and then. Thanks be to God, we got married in 2016 and we're creeping up on six years now. Awesome. Let's go, bro. And you're like me. You married up. That's amazing. <laughs> here's how you do it, by the way. Here's how, and you just said it. Here's how you marry up. Two things. Number one is to pray. You were talking about it a second ago. Yeah. So you're like, I prayed about it. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. when it came to mm -hmm. like DMs or we're friends, like we're texting, but I prayed about it. And that's how you marry up. I think the second thing that just really stood out to me is you shared your feelings instead of the whole games and ghosting. Exactly. You actually to put yourself out there and say, this is how I feel. Intentions. And right? if you don't, mm -hmm. if you don't communicate your intentions, how can they ever know? You yeah. Know, because people aren't mind readers. And I think that we owe it to each other to be honest mm -hmm. and to pray. And those two things will really help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I tell people that all the time. Uh, unfortunately, women are women are smarter than men. So nine times out of ten, they know we're interested, but they will play like they have absolutely no idea until you say something. You know, and I've learned that. And she literally told me, "If you never said anything, I, we would have never um, started talking." Because it's, I think it's a lot of times people put themselves out there to make themselves vulnerable, only to get hurt. Mm -hmm. The guy, I thought he was interested. Now he's posting, he's engaged. And it's like, well, how do I move on from, you know, the rejection I just faced? And I, I see that all the time, you know, so I, I'm glad that I did, you know, and that's what I try to tell people, you know, unfortunately, rejection does come in that play, which means the woman can't say no, but it's the fact that you're not wasting your time. I yeah. think it's important that you're willing to, to say, this is where I desire for this to go. You know, hopefully you feel the same way. And I think that's the, the wisest thing, because if we don't, Unfortunately, like you said, it's just a bunch of games and emotions and people being hurt in a process. And a lot of times I see people leave the church is because of a relationship they had. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't turn away from God or you don't turn away from God's people because one bad relationship. And unfortunately, that's what happens when we play with each other's emotions. You know, so I think it's important and it's the healthy thing to do because it's, it shows a level of respect. Whereas even if you're not interested, I know how to how to treat you. I know how to respect you as a sister, as a brother without, you know, allowing yourself to get the wrong, you know, expectations. So good. Absolutely. And one of the books that I love is Timothy Keller, The Meaning of Marriage, because he wow, actually, just finished it. Isn't it good? Amazing. I had an audible. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. And he pastored a church for years in New York City. His church, there were studies done on it because there was like 90% single young adults in New York mm -hmm. City. And that's like an anomaly. 
mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. local church. And he really writes it to single people. So the name sometimes could be confusing of like, oh, wait, the meaning of marriage, but wouldn't it be good for us in our singleness mm-hmm. to capture God's vision for what mm-hmm. marriage actually means? And so exactly. I, I think where it starts, Tavares, is like, I, I'm curious for you, but I we believe in, in this idea of dating with the intention of marriage. And that doesn't mean you propose mm-hmm. on the right. first date. If that mm-hmm. happens, run. <laughs> but I'm just curious for you, like you had that moment where you shared mm-hmm. your heart, you were honest with your intentions. So did you guys date then with the intention of marriage? Or like, what would you say the true goal of marriage is? So we definitely dated with the intentions of marriage. Like some people, they thought we, you know, got married quickly because when I came back from deployment, it was September. We got engaged of May the next year. But I was like, no, I actually knew my wife for about six years. So it wasn't a matter of rushing out. We knew a lot about one another. But the thing is, I the way I view marriage, like I tell people all the time, the hardest command I find in the Bible is love your wife the way Christ loved the church. I don't know how to love like Jesus loves anyone. You know what I mean? It's like, that's such a high level that's expected of men. But I think a lot of times we men, we go into it. And I know some women as well, but we're thinking of guilt-free sex. We're not thinking about loving the way that God loved us. You know what I mean? We're not loving, we're not thinking we can serve somebody the way that Jesus is aiming to serve us. You know, so I think a lot of times we we look at it from the perspective of how can I be served? How can I be happy? How can I be fulfilled? But if I ever start looking at it from a biblical perspective, now I'm realizing how can I serve you? How can I help you become who God has called you to be? How can I help make, and and I think a lot of times we don't think about it, but how can I make society better? You know, when Mm -hmm. I like to view church growth happening two ways, you go out and you witness to someone and hopefully they come in, you help disciple them, things like that. And two, you disciple your home. We make the greatest impact. A lot of times people focus on winning all the lost souls in the world and then we're losing our children in the process. But if you ever focus so much on your kids, if you ever focus so much on them, now you're, you're creating more soul winners, more people that even if they're in elementary or high school or college, they know who they are. They're rooted in who they are. And that's what we need because a lot of people, they change based off what society expects from them. So I think it's a matter of trying to find something that's kingdom focused. Like I told Safa, you know, this is what I want because I knew a lot of attractive women who were attracted to me. I knew of a lot of spiritual women who were spirit, um, who anybody would say, oh yeah, they're spiritual, go for it, you know? And I know a lot of people were interested in me only because they saw that golly dating was a huge platform. I was not aiming for somebody to just, you know, pretty on my side or somebody mm-hmm. to simply go to church with, because there's a lot of people that go to church that are not helping you spiritually, you know? So I wanted somebody that will compliment my ministry, somebody that, the areas that I need to be worked on in, the areas that God is trying to fix in me, that person is helping me in those areas. Some person who can see, well, okay, Tavares is called to do this. They're not hindering me because God forbid God tells you be a missionary to Cambodia. And your wife was like, no, nah, we're not going to be traveling anywhere. You're going to stay here. And you know, and it's just like, well, now you're, you're fighting between do I sustain my walk with God or do I sustain my walk with this person? And unfortunately, I've seen so many people turn away from God to keep a relationship, compromise on things that they believe. And I knew that, well, Safa is the woman that I know I don't have to do any compromising with. I just have to keep growing in order to help her keep growing. You know, so I think it's a matter of focusing, seeing marriage as the right thing, because our problem is we focus too much on what I can get and how I could be served. But I think that's where most marriages fail because you're worrying about how they can meet all of your needs. If you ever listen to somebody who needs therapy, they're probably saying how, oh, they did this wrong. They did this. And it's never a matter of 
oh, well, I'm doing this. You know what I mean? So I think if we focus on how I can serve them, no marriage is able to fail if I'm constantly pouring into you. No, no marriage is able to, to turn away from God if I'm constantly showing you what the scriptures are saying, stuff like that. So it's just a matter of trying to keep God as the forefront, because if he's the foundation, then it doesn't matter what storm it is. Jesus said, if you built this house on this rock, then, you know, the storm is not going to allow the house to crumble. Yeah, I think that's so good. I'm just reminded. So we both went to Bible school and a Bible college, and it's just amazing how many I want to say women are called to ministry, but for, called to some form of ministry, right? right. Um, in the marketplace or even just like on a platform. And I just looked around sometimes when I was in the classroom, I was like 10 years older than some of them when I went back to school. And I just recognized like so many people were willing to forfeit the calling that God had mm. on their life for, like you alluded to, guilt-free sex a ring by spring, like all yeah. those different uh, cliche things that, you know, we kind of joke about, but this kind of like, oh, kind of everybody is on mission to yeah. walk out of here and get married to somebody that they can call a Christian or a Christian mm -hmm. marriage or, and, and both of you are half-heartedly serving the Lord because the other part of you is serving the lust of your flesh or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it's just fascinating to see. And I'm just reminded of like, even when I was dating the wrong person, um, I was trying to God like really convicted my heart. He's just like, is this the person that I have for you? Question mark. Or are you trying to make them the person? Right. And I think that's a tension that a lot of people live in, like where, where you're in a dating relationship and you're trying to make that person or convince yourself that that person is who God has for you. When in reality, mm -hmm. you haven't prayed, you haven't um, invited mm -hmm. a godly community in, you don't have mentors and discipleship happening to call you out and be like, you know, how is, how is he leading you? How are you leading him? Like exactly what accountability is in place, you know? So it's just fascinating to see. And to unfortunately hear how many people like you use the illustration of like, yeah, well, I'm called to Cambodia, but my spouse says we're going to stay here in the States and I'm going to be a stay at home parent and they're going to go out and do everything. Like you're forfeiting elements of what God has created you to do and yeah. who he's created you to be. Um, and somebody's going to be unfulfilled yeah. if you settle in oh, the process. for real. And exactly. then resentment settles in, anger, frustration. Um, yeah, it just leaves a gaping hole for all sorts of unfortunate outcomes, right? Um, but I would just be curious, in the process that you were, when you were dating and you were in that relationship, and now obviously you're married, but how is community and the accountability affected those areas of your life? I'd say tremendously so with the struggles i mainly went to one person it was my mentor um, because i felt as though he was that one person that would give me all the scriptures that i need to hear give me all the correction that i didn't want to hear <laughs> but also give me the encouragement that i needed you know but there there was always community around regarding certain things you know and i really had to pray um to ask god for a godly male friends around me because the problem was we all know churches are filled with women but where are the guys, you know? So that was a huge problem where I was like, okay, what well, majority of the godly people around me are women, but I need to make sure I'm guarding my heart as well. So I'm just like, mm -hmm. well, God, well, I need some godly brothers to be around me that are able to, you know, keep me in check, correct me, encourage me, all those things. So I'd constantly pray for those, that type of guidance because there are times where say I'm like, and it's not Safa, but for example, like uh, Safa did something wrong and they're like, mm -hmm. well, from everything you just said, it sounds like you were um, the problem, you know, and it's like, I don't want to hear that. But it was the fact that they were willing to let me know, hey, 
let's look at the problem from this angle, you know, and it, and it, and as much as we don't like to be checked at times, as much as we don't like correction at times, the Bible says that if God loves you, he chastens you, he corrects you. And I believe that when God places godly accountability around you, they're there for you to develop into who God called you to be. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another so you find healing. And I believe so many of us were walking around unhealed, we're walking around chasing a new relationship because we're we're trying to fill the broken cistern with some with something that can only fill temporarily we're trying to do all these things why because we need healing because we we're avoiding accountability we're avoiding godly community and a lot of times unfortunately people use the scripture in genesis saying it's not good for a man to be alone to only talk about marriage no that was also talking about community because if that was the case then all of us are living miserable lives until we get married, you know, and that's not what God's intention was, you know, so that's why we have to have account. We have to have people around us that can help us develop into who we're called to be, because I think a lot of people without knowing it, obviously it's unintentional, but a lot of people are leaning in towards idolatry because mm -hmm. they've found your identity in this person. Now, if the relationship fails, they've lost themselves They've already pushed away all their friends because their life was revolving around this person. You know, so I think a lot of times we don't even realize it, that when we don't have that, that support system, we can get into a negative relationship and then we have no one to show us the red flags right. because we're so head over heels that we're not even seeing it. But we don't have anyone telling us like, hey, the way you're treating that woman, the way you're treating that guy is wrong. Here's how, you know, when you don't have those godly leaders able to speak to you, then it's easy for you to continue to go down the wrong path. Because the Bible tells us that there's a way in our own eyes, it seems perfectly fine, but it can end in death. And that's why the Bible tells us that it's so important that you have a lot of counselors, you have a lot of advisors, people that you can lean on, right. because you don't know what's coming around the corner. But if somebody's been around that corner, and they're like, hey, 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 let me stop you. And you're like, nah, I got it. I got it under control. Unfortunately, you can harm yourself. So I think wisdom is not something we should just get from our bad decisions. The wisdom is something God wants us to get from listening to others, from hearing someone else's testimony and hearing somebody else try to give us advice on something. And with accountability too and community, isn't it interesting that what we need to hear isn't always what we want to hear? No, it's never the case. It's never <laughs> the case. But that that's that's the way our flesh is set up. You know, it's like we we think we have it all together until God like let sits us down. You know, like David. You know, well, I'm the king. You know, I could take that man's wife. It, if if Nathan didn't come on the scene, then it would have to have been maybe God, God himself just punishing. You know, probably killing King David. But it was the fact that David did something that no one else in the palace could correct him about. And he was just going to continue on with life. And God had to send someone to hold him accountable. You can't just get away with taking a guy's wife, making a guy die. and think no one is going to care about it. Right. No. So God brought judgment from that. But God also brought love by allowing another child to be born. That's how we get Solomon. You know, so understand that somebody, God bringing accountability to your life isn't just to make you uncomfortable, but it's also to bring out the best in you. God wouldn't send someone to keep you accountable if he did not have great expectations for you or a great blessing in store for you. That's great. It's so good. <laughs> and and sometimes we look at like guardrails as mm -hmm. these God awful things or, yeah. or boundaries as burdens when mm -hmm. actually yeah. in scripture, every time there's a boundary, it's like God has put it there mm -hmm. for our blessing, for our benefit, mm -hmm. for our protection. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I know one of the messages is healthy boundaries 
in yeah. our singleness that then we bring into our dating that mm. then one day will mm-hmm. trickle into marriage. And I'd just be curious, some of the, if you'd be willing to go there, some of the boundaries that you found or that that you'll talk about in Godly Dating 101, as far as like, what are healthy boundaries mm-hmm. and why are they actually a blessing and not a burden? Yeah, I, I like to tell people that exact thing. Boundaries are blessings because a lot, like you said, we view it as though, Church is a rule, rule book, and the Bible is just telling us, thou shalt and thou shalt not. And it's like, that's not the case. I love my child, but he's not allowed to drive my car. You don't know what you're doing. You know, the, the car is, is yours, but it does not mean you have access to just do whatever you want. And, you know, um, a lot of times we we're talking about the boundaries. It's just telling you, you shouldn't go this far. And when we see the first boundary in the Bible, Adam and Eve, guys, eat wherever you want. And I think it's the enemy's tactic for us to look at the one thing God says to avoid. Well, God, why can't I have that? God, why? you know, people ask us things like, well, can I, can we kiss, you know, or can we hold hands or, you know, if, if we're not going to go too far or, or it's, it's not really sex if we're just, you know, and it's like, come on guys, you're, you're totally missing the point. If you're trying mm-hmm. to figure out how close I can get to the line and still be saved. The goal is not to figure out how much sin can I get away with or does God love me if I'm still doing this? No, right. the goal is for us to understand that because God loves me, he wants me to live a certain type of way because God has a blessing in store for me. He wants me to protect it, you know? And I think a lot of times marriages are unprotected. Like it, in my singleness, I didn't realize my lack of boundaries with women. You know, it wasn't until after I got married and my wife was like, I don't want you to text a woman after I think it was like 9 p.m. or whatever, because in my head, we're not holding any kind of inappropriate conversation, but it's the fact that you can open a door to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had to learn that it's so easy for us to, to look at, okay, well, is it sin? Is it not sin? What boundaries teaches us is, is it sin or can it lead to sin? And you have to set up a boundary to say, I'm not going to allow an open door. So the things is we want us to understand that you should set boundaries, not just with how late you're texting somebody, but emotional boundaries. Like we mentioned earlier in, in this podcast is the fact that you don't want to talk to a person. You guys are texting every day, FaceTiming all the time, and no one's intentions are known. That means there hasn't been an emotional boundary set up. So now you're allowing yourself to get your, your, your heart filled with joy. You're thinking something is happening. And when they move on, you tell the entire church, this guy played me. This girl led me on. When in reality, they did not lead you on. You guys didn't set up emotional boundaries. And that's why you have to allow people, you have to set those up because boundaries is telling people what I will allow, what I will not allow. So some of the boundaries we had to establish for ourselves is, you know, because we were long distance at one point when I was in the military saying, well, we won't do certain things on FaceTime. We won't like changing in front of one another. We're not going to allow one another to, I'm yelling at you because I'm Jamaican. Um, South is Jamaican as well, but she's like the only peaceful Jamaican I know. Like my family's always loud. We're, we communicate loudly right here. This is my whispering voice. I don't know how to whisper, you know? And then but we had to create a boundary. Like we're not going to raise that voice to the person that feels as though you're talking down to them. So we're creating boundaries in regards to how we speak to one another, things we're going to allow one another to see, type of conversations we're having, because I don't mind if people are flirting, but it's a difference between, you know, friendly flirting and you're now the jokes are sexual, mm-hmm. that it can stir something more or sending certain pictures that, might be more revealing that probably should should only be for that spouse, you know? So I think boundaries are something that we look down on and we frown on, but boundaries protect us way more than we, we realize it. We lock our phone screens. 
with a boundary, your password. We lock our homes, mm -hmm. security system, gated communities, and none of us bat an eye. We don't think about it. But the moment we say, I'm not going to text that person or I'm not going to hang out alone with um, the opposite sex if, if I don't have somebody there to keep me accountable. We look at it as though that's too religious and that's too, I don't think that's legalism. I think that's being wise. I think that's being protective. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not to sound political, so I won't say what the person's name was, but I heard a, a politician once say, I'll never get in a vehicle or go to lunch one-on-one -on -one with a female unless my wife is there. And I'm looking at it like, dude, you're in politics. You probably meet with women all day in meetings all day. But it was the fact that he know, I don't want my good evil spoken of. Like the Bible says, I believe in Romans. So we have to make sure that we're not just guarding ourselves from what can happen, but guarding ourselves mm -hmm. from things that can lead to sin happening. And I think that's all it is because if Eve was never looking at the tree, she would have never noticed that it was good for side or giving her wisdom or good to eat. But if she would have just stayed over there by the mango tree, which I would have done, she would have been just fine. You know, so I think it's just a matter of protecting yourself. Oh, my gosh. I love it. And I think you already alluded to it without even saying it is like living above reproach, having Amen. those systems exactly. in order and not giving room for somebody else's imagination or interpretation mm -hmm. yeah. of misinterpreting what's taking place. So we always had like working at church when I was back in North Dakota, it was a rule of three. There's at least yeah. three of you in the vehicle at all times. There's a, there's, if it's one girl, there's two guys, two guys, but like the girl, the guy ratios even and everything. So it was interesting. And when you're young and you're like interning, you're like 23, 24, like, well, this is stupid. And then you're like, <laughs> no, this is actually genius. Yeah, exactly. Because, exactly. Um, it just is. And I remember even just a funny story, like um, it was somebody at the, the district level here in Minnesota and we were all going out for pizza. There was four of us and I was the only girl, but Josiah was there, another friend and he was there and they're like, Micah, sit up front, sit up front. And he was driving his van and I go, no, and they're like, well, ladies and ladies sit in the front. And I go, no, because this interpretation can be totally yeah. different because they can't see yeah. who else is in the back. I mm -hmm. will sit in the back with my husband. You two <laughs> sit up there. And even just guarding people when they're unaware of what needs to be guarded is so important, not only like in a sexual relationship, but in the co-working space yeah, at right. large, whether it's a marketplace, right. ministry, church, whatever. And just to, to recognize like, wow, these are actually really helpful parameters mm -hmm. and it doesn't, we don't want, we live above reproach. So it doesn't leave room for error. Right. Yeah. And I just think that's awesome. And one of the things that I feel like many young adult women have been asking me lately, I was just, um, teaching and preaching at a Bible study last week, actually. And they had asked this question and I just would love for you to lean into it for a minute. And it's simply, how can you tell a counterfeit Christian from the real thing when you're looking for that mate? Well, I love this uh, <laughs> because I feel as though, I feel as though we, we focus on the wrong things. We view godliness by church attendance. That's not the case. There are so many people that sit on the front row serve in in high capacities in the church and then the moment you start dating them you realize oh well this backfired tremendously jesus said you'll know them by their fruit so i think a lot of times we because we rush into commitment we haven't examined anyone's fruit we saw how beautiful they were we saw hey he, he speaks in tongues he must be godly and it's like you paid a, you you have not seen how he interacted with anyone you know so i, I try to tell people focus on the character and the lifestyle because it's you can't wear a mask for too long. It has to come off. 
At some point, you have to see how they respond to when they're frustrated, how they respond when they're tempted. You have to see how they respond in all these scenarios. And I think a lot of times we we just go off, okay, he has um, man of God in his bio, Proverbs 31 in her bio. She has the, the mug and uh, Psalm 23 underneath it. And it's like, no, 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 none of these things determine if somebody's living for God. Yep. We need to see how is their lifestyle. When we hold conversations with them, if, I, I always tell people, if I'm trying to talk about God to you and you seem uninterested, bored, or you're trying to shift a subject, that means our conversation needs to get wrapped up quickly. Because I noticed that there were times when I'd hold conversations and women would find me boring. And I'm like, you know, I'm one of the funniest people I know. I'm not boring. But if I'm carnal, I'm t- I can't get it. They can't get enough of me. They want to hold conversations all day. If I'm saying something flirty, they, they love the conversations. If I say so- a sexual joke, if I'm sending a raunchy meme, I'm the coolest guy on the block. But the moment I send a Bible verse or I'm talking about what I've learned or what I'm studying and they just showed this interest, those are the things I started paying attention to because I'm thinking, well, we both go to church. We both say we love God. So why is it that, bear in mind, I may not be your favorite Bible teacher, but, uh, you know, but it's like, why, if I say, Hey, I'm studying Romans and it's just crazy that God brought this to my attention. And you're just like, okay, so, um, what are you doing Friday night? It's like, that should show me that while this person may not be hell bound and, you know, sent from the devil, that clearly shows they have a lot of immaturity in their spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And I believe that if you want a godly relationship, there must be a godly foundation. So I wanted to pay attention to Okay, well, I know Safa's not just playing, doing a part because she sings, because yeah, yeah, she sings and she can make anyone cry by the time she's finished. But I want to see how is she acting when she gets off the pulpit? Does she only worship when she has the mic? Does he only clap his hands and want a reaction when he has the mic? But if somebody else is the preacher, then he's bored and disinterested. Those are all the things I pay attention to. So it's not a matter of how people act when the light is the brightest. It's not a matter of the things that they post on their timeline. When it's 11 p.m. and they DM'd you, were they talking about sex or were they just, you know, laughing about something? You know, so it's paying attention to the little things because I think people, I think people do a great job of showing you who they want you to see. And it's not for me to dive into this now, mm-hmm. but that's one of the reasons why I tell people I'm not for, um, you know, online dating. If you choose to do it, hey, you know, I pray that God leads you to whoever you're supposed to marry. But I want you to understand that people can show you anything online. Is what you see when you see their lifestyle. Pay attention to the fruit because the fruit can't lie. An uh, orange tree is never going to put it, put out an apple. You will never see an apple on an orange tree. You know, so I just pay attention to the fruit and see their lifestyle. And I'm not holding anyone to a perfect standard. If you make a mistake, I can notice a difference between a mistake and a pattern. You know, so if you're seeing they're constantly taking you down roads that God has freed you from, then that means it's time to let it go. So good. That is fire so much wisdom and you know i I would just have a comment about like fruit so much of what we're looking for Mm -hmm. in that future spouse is Mm -hmm. godly fruit and character and integrity and i think that when you study a tree at all like fruit is fed from roots Mm -hmm. yeah christian and like so you might you might only see the fruit but you can even study it back to the roots of like yeah everyone has a highlight reel mm-hmm. and everyone also has a behind the scenes. And what I hear you mm-hmm. saying a lot of is like, man, it can be one thing to portray a public image or manage mm-hmm. an image or, or show people what we want them to see mm-hmm. yeah. of us. But really when you get married, it is not only that you're now having 
uh, highlight reel together, but you also have the behind the scenes together. And how's that mm-hmm. going to go? And I think that so much of with boundaries, like, okay, so I think you actually can learn a lot about somebody's integrity to your comment. Um, yeah. Like if they make a mistake, mm-hmm. do you hear it from them? Do they apologize? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember this is not a romantic thing at all, but I just remember a mentor of mine. He, he made a comment when we were on staff at a church together and he wished that he could have had that back. So he emailed everyone that was in that office meeting privately to just apologize. Like, Hey, that was Mm -hmm. off brand. That was off character for me. And you'll hear it from me first. And I just, I think that that's part of mentorship and discipleship is like, Hey, you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm going to make mistakes somewhat. Sometimes I'm not claiming to be perfect, but when I make a mistake, I want to be the first to acknowledge it, or at least acknowledge it and apologize. And I think I would love to ask you too about forgiveness Mm. because, you know, in relationships of all kinds, it can be really easy to, to become offended and to become hurt or bitter or jaded. And this could be a friendship thing too. It could be a coworker Mm -hmm. thing too, of course, marriage, but even focusing on that dating and engagement process or marriage with relationships, why is important? Why, why would you say Tavares Mm -hmm. that it's important in a dating relationship to be forgiving of each other? Um, I'm man, I wish I could find the exact verse for you right now. That's coming to mind. I believe it's in Colossians three. And I think, unfortunately it's a little bit different for me because of being married, you know? So I understand that when people are dating and you see some red flags, trust me, accept them and run, you Mm -hmm. know? So I know it looks a little bit different, but I want to, I want you guys to see something. Colossians three in the new living translation. It says, since God chose you to be holy, um, to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together with perfect harmony. I think a lot of times Christians, we're so content with being forgiven and we never extend that to other people. We never get, we, we judge people based off their actions and ourselves based off our intentions. Like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. So it's no big deal. You know what I mean? But when others do it, it's World War III. You know, you never want to forgive. <laughs> but I believe that it's so important in relationships because there's so many people, I think they're single because they don't know what it means to forgive. I think their relationships constantly fail because they don't know what it means to forgive. People get married. And I know that there's some things that are just egregious and it's like, it's hard to hard to really process, but I think relationships fail because people keep forgetting that my sin in God's eyes is utterly evil. You know what I mean? It's, God doesn't have a, we we have a, a scale when it comes to sin. You know, if I lied, uh, I had to tell a lie, but if I, but if it's fornication, then, you know, she's going to hell. Look at her with her pregnant stomach. That's how we view it. Mm. With God, the same, it's like all of this is wrong, you know? So I think when we start viewing, we start asking God, like, teach me how to love like you. Teach me how to, to live like you do. Then we can see that someone made a mistake and, and be willing to say, I understand because you, there was probably a reason behind it. There's so many people who sin because they have a pattern of some things they've learned in how they had to grow up in their families. So many people, they find themselves in wrong predicaments. They didn't know how to get out of it. There's a reason behind why we do a lot of the craziness that we do, but we have to understand that if I'm never going to give somebody the allowance to, to make a mistake and grow from it, then I'll never see who God really created them to be. And mm-hmm. I say that because there's so many mistakes that I've made that 
before marriage and even after marriage where my wife can say, I'm done. Like, dude, I, I didn't get married to get stressed out. You know what I mean? We we can all say that about our partners. We can all say that about anyone, but our parents never did that. <laughs> our parents are just like, listen, you're grounded for eternity. Like don't ever come back to my, our parents don't even do that type of stuff. So imagine the love of God, whereas no matter how far you run, the prodigal son runs far away and, and it says that the father's looking out the window in order to be back in relationship with them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I get it that there's sometimes where people offend you and it's like, they do things that really harm you. But I think it, it shows that you have God's character when you're able to say you made a mistake and I don't define you by your mistake. We mm -hmm. cannot allow people to, to be labeled by their downfall. There's a guy, mm -hmm. I think we see this all the time. Everyone, every church I've ever been in in my entire life, when they refer to Thomas, they call him doubting Thomas. There's literally one time Thomas doubted. Why does he have that nickname? Why do I have the nickname Doubting Thomas? And you only see me doubt one time. So we like to label people. That's what the world does. We label people. But I don't think when Jesus looks at him, he's looking at, oh, there goes Doubting Thomas walking through the pearly gates. No, he just sees his disciple that made, that made a mistake. You know, so I think a lot of times we we don't look at people based off their mistake. We look at it based off we're branding them as that's who they are. You know, but I believe that if God was able to turn me around, then God is able to turn anyone around. So we have to be willing to look at people, not through the lens of where they are now, but through the eyes of God, because God is looking at them based off their future. Whereas you lied to me, but God is looking at you as somebody who tells the, tells the, the right thing in the future. You cheated, you did this, mm -hmm. you did that. And yeah, we can go down the list of all the wrong that people have done to us, but God is not holding that against them. And when God forgives, he doesn't keep that label on you. So we have to be willing to forgive and remove the label. And sometimes that looks like I'm maintaining the relationship. And sometimes that means I'm forgiving and I'm letting go of it. But that's why we need discernment from God because he'll let us know. And it won't just be an emotional response because you may think that was a terrible thing you did. And God may still say, yeah, Hosea, now go back to Gomer. You know, so we never know right. what God's will tr truly is. So we really have to ask God for discernment about it. That's so good. I think just to be reminded, like, even when we offer forgiveness, we have to be willing to, you know, be forgiven at times and not let the guilt and the shame hold mm -hmm. us captive or yeah. he, um, pride hold us back from apologizing in the process of the forgiving. Like, yeah. do you forgive me? And, and it's easy to say, do you forgive me? And the other person says, yeah, but to forgive you for what? When you say, will you forgive me for X, Y, Z? I think that's a form of us admitting that we have sinned against somebody or spoken exactly. out of turn. And we can just wash our hands of it and say, you know what? I want to be a better person. And I'm glad that you're holding me accountable. And, and I think a, a a Christian who's more mature is able to do, to, to do just that, to admit that they mm -hmm. have wronged somebody and they're willing to, you know, I think Josiah talked about it earlier, just to kind of confess, you know, like, oh man. Yes, here it is, you know, so I just think it's amazing. And one thing that we really want to kind of lean into just this last question before we have the five and five is the concept or the misconception of purity. Many people mm -hmm. are thinking or have thought or have come to us saying, well, once I'm married, I'll become pure because I'm having sex. Once yeah. I'm, you know, married, I won't deal with pornography addiction. Yeah. I won't lust after other men or women. I won't, you know, fill in the blank. We can kind of justify everything, but I'd be so curious, like, what would you say and lean into the purity side of things? Like, what does it mean? And how is it not just about sex? Like, how do we live a pure and holy life mm 
even out of the intimacy with a spouse, but also on every front of our life. Cause we're called to be pure and holy people, temples, like our bodies yeah. are the temple on you can just take it however you want there, but what do you have to say about just purity when it comes to that? I think a lot of times we've mastered the art of looking churchy, looking saved, looking sanctified and looking all, we're just super deep on the outside and we've mm -hmm. never fixed inside. And that was the same issue Jesus had with the Pharisees and all these people, because it's like, yeah, outside you guys are perfect, but the inside is dead man's bones. You know, when Jesus came to them, you know, Matthew five, and he's bringing correction. And he's like, yeah, you guys heard in the past, don't commit adultery. All right. Um, but I have a new law for you guys now, because clearly everyone knew I can do whatever I want, just not get in bed with that woman. Just as long as I don't sleep with that guy, you know, then I'm all good in God's eyes because they mastered the letter of the law. They never understood God's right. spirit behind it, God's heart behind it. Jesus is like, okay, but if you guys are thinking about sleeping with her, then I want you to know then you might as well have done it because you're still just as guilty in my eyes. You're, you've already broken the law because you're desiring to break the law. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that's why I think in, in church today, we, because we're viewing, we're not viewing it based off relationship. We're viewing it based off rules. Whereas it's like, well, God, well, I'm pure because I'm not the one who got pregnant. And then we're judging the girl who did, or God, I'm pure because I'm not the one who left the church. But emotionally and mentally, we weren't even there. We were just inside of the building. Mm -hmm. And I think God is trying to get back to the heart of people because unfortunately, we have some people and, you know, and I talk about it a little bit in the book because we have some people who viewed um, a little bit like how I did, you know, like their virginity was like superior to, to someone, you know, and I felt one of my friends, you know, he jokingly, I don't know why he thought this was a joke because he said it in church and I thought this was the worst time for you to start this madness. And he was just like, Hey, bro, I think I'm the only virgin in here. And I was just like, who says that? You know, I was like, dude, we're in church. That's not something we joke about, you know, but he was just being funny because in his mind, it's like, well, I'm not doing nothing. Everybody else is. So that means I'm good. And I'm just like, but that's not what God is after. Right. Yes. God is happy that you're being abstinent. He's happy you're being celibate. He's happy you're containing your uh, virginity. You're saving yourself in marriage. But none of those things are so that we can be above anyone else, some any of those things, so that we can, so that we're more spiritual, we're more anointed, or something right. that that now God owes us something. Because unfortunately, there are a lot of people who live a life of quote unquote purity because they're hoping that God gives them a spouse. No, right. I'm not. I'm not avoiding sleeping around because God is going to give me a spouse because of it. I'm avoiding that because this is how I honor God. First Thessalonians right. four and three says, this is the will of God in order to stay <laughs> pure, you know, that you have to avoid sexual immorality. So in order for me to please God, it's more than just do this and don't do this. It's a matter of me finding ways that I can get closer to God. So when I tell people about purity, I tell them, listen, I'm happy that you're not in bed with anyone, but God is also concerned when we're sending the pictures, when we're engaging in the conversations, when we're watching certain TV shows and listening to yeah. certain music that's that's stirring something in us that emotionally we don't have that 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 outlet to to release that you know married people they may listen to you know some some secular song and hey they're in the mood they can go take care of business but if I'm a single guy and I'm listening to something that's getting my emotions riled up chances are I'm gonna go outside of this and then you know handle that um, through self pleasure or through pornography or or through avenues that God never intended for for us to engage in um, you know. The blessing of sex, you know, so we have to realize that God is not viewing purity as just a matter of 
okay, sex is for marriage. God is viewing purity as though he wants our whole body and spirit to be wholly right. pure. That's what it says, in, um, I believe, in, in Thessalonians. So God is concerned about each and every part of us. God wants us to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen, a chosen generation. He wants us to be new. He wants it to be something different about us. And that doesn't happen by just uh, behavior modification. That doesn't right. just happen because, oh, I don't do this. I don't do that. Jesus said there was a guy praying in a temple like, hey, I, I'm, I thank God I'm not like those other people. But then there's another guy in there that's just saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So when you realize that, man, I'm a sinner, God, if you don't help me, God, I'm going to be in the same mess if you don't help me. That's what God is being as pure as somebody leaning on him, trusting in him. And it's like, well, I'm going to fall if you don't help me, God. So I need you to keep mm -hmm. my mind on you, not allow it, not allow it to, to drift into other places. And I think that's what God is concerned about, that we're not just changing our actions, but he's actually renewing our hearts and our minds. Yeah. Yeah. Just clean hands and a pure heart. Like our motives yeah. are running through those two streams of biblical context of that, but so yeah. much wisdom, right. man. Thanks for that download. And we like to close our podcast by putting five minutes on the clock. Here we go. And this is some of the listeners favorite parts where we get to know you better. And so do they. And <laughs> so it's basically five minutes, five questions, rapid fire. Are you up for that challenge? Uh, well, I'm here now, so let's see. All right, let's do it. Okay, should I start with the fun wife one? Yes. Okay, if your wife could get rid of one item or article that you own, what do you think she would get rid of? Oh, wow. Um, I don't even know. I think I get rid of everything already. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. You have to come back to me. I don't know. That's such a great question. Probably one of my cameras. I have a, a sick obsession with trying to figure out cameras and I probably bought one too many. So maybe cameras. I don't know. All right. Cameras hey, it is. That's fair. What about um, you guys follow sports? I know you live in Florida. Do you have a favorite sports team? Um, the Warriors, because no one in Florida is good. So. Okay. Okay. to Minnesota. I mean, we can apologize to you too for living there. No. <laughs> All right. So here's the curveball. Question number three. If you could ask Josiah and myself anything, ministry, non-ministry related, what would it be? I don't want to, let me see. I, let me try to find a question that doesn't cause a rift. Um, Forgiveness. No, okay. Hey, hey. Okay. If there, all right. So one question I'd ask for both of you guys to ask one another: If there's one area I can improve on, what would it be? If we could ask each other that. Yeah, I want you to ask each other. Mm. Yeah. Come on now, rapid fire. I was looking. Oh, you go first because I was yours? thinking. I was waiting for you to talk. Oh, I think we've talked about this before. Um, one thing I think like when we communicate, just because he talks louder and slower, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm understanding because his mind is like, boom, 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 boom. he's all over the place. We're talking about one thing and he switches gears and he's way over here. And I look at him so dumbfounded sometimes. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's not even okay. like a quarrel or a fight. It's just like, okay, help me to understand but just because you're like talking louder and slower doesn't help me at all so okay so one is communication all right <laughs> um i think for for us with you man babe i, I think we have open communication mm -hmm. but our life right now we're you know two months in three months into a brand new ministry launch we have a one-year-old two-year-old daughters oh, prayers up 
<laughs> yes, thank you. And I would just say this, like sometimes our calendar and schedule can be demanding, but I think that, and you, you help us have a weekly calendar meeting, but sometimes those surprises <laughs> pop up. And so like, I know I try to do this, but even if you can, can help me this week by like a day notice of like, Hey, t- remember, cause you did that yesterday. You're like, Hey, remember tonight like five times. 8 PM. And that really helped me. It was probably me reminding myself out loud <laughs> to help you. But yes, my parents are coming on Thursday. Do you remember that? I know it. Okay, good. (laughs) Oh Lord. Well, you see, you guys, you guys, you guys put me in a hot seat. Now you are back in a hot seat. So there we go. We welcome. I'm not even sweating. That's even good. (laughs) That's that's good for us. Back to you, Tavares. Like, let's say you could travel. You could travel the world, and you could go one place that maybe you've always wanted to go, but you've never gone there yet. Where would you guys go? I've gone to many islands, but none with my wife yet. Well, honeymoon. But I, I'd say I would love to go to Aruba or there was another country. Someone showed me videos. And it's like, maybe you guys have, have heard of it. But it's like they had the clearest water in the world. And I believe they have 24-hour sunlight. I don't remember where that was. It wasn't Scotland. It was something amazing. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Like, it was 24-hour sunlight. I don't know how I would sleep. But I would love to at least visit. It, it was just flat out amazing. But yeah, if it's an island, Aruba. I've got many other islands, but I want to check out Aruba. And then, you know, whatever country that was, it looked amazing. Wouldn't it be fun someday to do like a podcast mashup, Young Adults Today, Godly Dating 101 in Aruba? Listen, don't give me any ideas, bro. <laughs> don't give me ideas because I'll do it. Bring your cameras, okay? We got a lot of footage we can, we can take care of. All right, here's the last and final question. If you could leave the listener with one piece of encouragement today, what would you leave them with? I'd say don't feel as though it I think a lot of times when we when God doesn't answer on our timeline, we feel as though either he's forgotten us or I need to lower my standards. If sometimes there are times there are times we have a little bit of unrealistic expectations, but I will say if your standards are biblical things, are necessary things, they have to have character, they have to be in love with God, they have to respect me. Those are not things that you you compromise on. So especially for those who are single, who feel as though, man, I'll never get married if I'm doing this because I saw all my friends, they got married and that guy wasn't saved and now he goes to church. Listen, don't worry about running someone else's race. Stay in the lane that God has you and allow God to work it out because Bible says, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. So I tell people all the time that even when it doesn't feel as though God is listening, it doesn't mean he's not working behind the scenes. And just because that promise Isaac is not coming does not mean you step outside of God's timing and create Ishmael, because that leads to a lot of unnecessary stress, a lot of unnecessary baggage and burdens when we put things on our own hands, but just trust God's timing. And it sounds cliche. It may even sound frustrating because it's a married guy telling you this, but it's the fact that God's God's plans for you are better than whatever you can come up with on your own. Right. I know you think it's going to work out if you do this and, oh, God will forgive me if I do that. Don't add on to unnecessary baggage that you don't need to deal with, you know? So just trust God's timing. It's been plenty of people that he made wait on various things and no person who's ever waited on God has ever been left with regret, you know? So just trust that God is able to meet your, your expectations. He's able to give you desires of your heart as you delight in him. That is amazing. That's a great challenge to leave everybody on today, if you ask me. (laughs) 
Tavares, thanks so much, bro. And we just want to say thanks for a great conversation. We're talking with Tavares Gray, oh. author of Godly Dating 101. Can you believe it? Uh, it's no, available anywhere books are sold, and you can find the link in the show notes. But until next time, this is Josiah Micah saying we'll talk soon. <laughs>